This is the first of hopefully many episodes of, or the, what is this, the Maiden Voyage, would you call it, Robin? Maiden Voyage, uh, in your neck of the woods and past life, I believe the kids would call this a pilot, perhaps? Yes, this is the pilot. We're selling it to the network of... Yeah, let's see what the networks think of the growth fault. So I'm here with, he doesn't, he's just one word at this point, he's like Prince, man. Robin, chief evangelist at Triple Whale, everyone's favorite, everyone's favorite. I am Chase Mosenny. I am the head of marketing at Pencil, the only AI software anyone should ever use. You know, Rob and I, I think it was a couple of months ago, we sat down and we were just, I don't know, we were like, man, we should have recorded this entire conversation yeah, yeah. and yeah. just given it to the world. And maybe that sounds a little arrogant, but who cares? Uh, so we want to talk to you about B2B SaaS growth and kind of how that fans out into the rest of the world of marketing, whether you're a DDC company, SaaS company, et cetera, yeah. all these principles apply to everything. So yeah. I don't know, Rob, I obviously just took, I went full, full J-Cal right now. What yeah. do you think? What are we going to talk about? What are you excited about? All in pod reference is amazing. Yeah. I think there's a few things we can talk about. So for SaaS, so Chase and I do a lot of work with DTC companies and that's my background. I'm kind of the, the color commentary and all this and he's the expert. And so we'll throw stuff around. But I think what's interesting in SaaS is a lot of the funnels stop at conversion hmm. and our funnel when I was running marketing at Triple and then in terms of when they asked me and how we build things out, it stops at evangelists. Hmm. So what do I mean by that? Well, there's sometimes, and, and again, this is something that Chase is really good at, where there's intangibles in a marketing journey that are really hard to quantify, but you know they're there. And a lot of times what people do will stop succeeding just because they don't know why they're succeeding. You see this a lot more in B2B SaaS because as you climb up the ranks, attribution becomes really, 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 really important. Ironically, like from because I've had experience in both worlds now, like B2B SaaS is an incredibly convoluted journey, especially at our price points. And it's more of like I describe it almost like a neural network or a pinball where you know you might start on a podcast, come to an event do this, do that. And then you finally take the demo and you get into this paradox of, again, attribution. What's important? Getting the person to the party. What's important? Getting the person to give you money at the party. What's important? Getting them hyped up in the middle for the party, giving them education, et cetera, et cetera. And then where I had to really cut my teeth was retention because in SaaS, like net dollar retention is really the the name of the game. Whereas in D2C, there's sales cycles, essentially, yeah. where SaaS is a, a normally contractual business. And so, yeah. yeah, that was one of the big, big changes for me is turning retention into evangelism, where it's like, how can yeah. I give people education? And there's a big aspect, and I think this is actually going to be the new, well, I don't want to say money grab, but the new like business model, I guess, is going to be like paid community. So we, we concentrated a lot on our community. Yeah. And I think that is something that Almost every brand can do any, every good brand I would argue has a community place somewhere, but I don't know. I've rambled a whole bunch. Where do you land? What are your thoughts? So I think, um, everything you said is, is spot on. Obviously. I think the thing that we all forget, and I say this a bunch, and, but it's, it's kind of, I don't know my calling card now, um, which is you have two products when you have a SaaS product, you have okay. your brand and you have your product. Each one needs to deliver value to the customer and each one feeds your ability to either convert and or retain. And so I have a lot of customers 
that have retained based on their relationship with me sure. or their relationship with the brand. Sure. And I have a lot of people who have been acquired based on those things. Now, there's also this sure. thing called word of mouth coefficient. We'll link out a, in a Reforge article which talks about like you know the K factor um, within your brand. The thing is, there's a K factor on the relationship with your brand specifically yeah. and with the faces of that. And so the thing that I don't know, I have come back to is people always talk about how it's nice to make money while you sleep. It's also nice for people to talk about your shit, like your brand, your company while you sleep as well. And so Triple has done a great job of that. Pencil, I mean, AI has become really, really hot. So it's one of those things that now it bounced around a lot before, but there was a little more of just brute force from me from that happening. And now it's essentially like uh, there's a bit of a multiple on it because of this, you know, this nice tailwind that we're having yeah. with AI having its moment. So I think like attribution had a similar thing uh, yeah, a year ago, point. right? Like that's yeah. like had a, had a nice tailwind that, that had a multiple on stuff. And so I think there's kind of two portions of that. So the, the brand needs to have what you talked about, which is content, community, and education. Yep. And what you really want to figure out is you need to have all three but which one hits fastest for you and deepest, right? Because each one of them is not going to be an equal, like it's not going to be equally proportionate in terms of the impact for your brand. Everything is going to be different. You need all three legs of the stool, but one is going to bear more of the burden, right? And so, because I think about this, right? Not every company has a great community, right? There are plenty of companies who have their community. We have a community and it's very C minus. Like, let me not act like it's good. Agreed, but my pushback there would be all those are a function of resources and effort. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not judging resources. you. I'm just saying yeah. that like one of the hardest parts about and not to cut you off or steal your thunder, but no, the, hit me, hit me. the the other challenge there is going back to my earlier ramblings about yeah. wrapping up a story in data to yes. keep leadership excited. And as you age, as you get investors coming in, as you get a board coming in, you, everybody yeah. has an opinion and there's yes. a challenge or why do I need community? How is community affecting my leads, MQLs, SQLs, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. What is my, this education actually doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the only thing I'm trying to highlight there is I actually think you need all of them. Yes. And I don't think there is one that bears the brunt more than the other. I think the community, the content keeps you excited. Podcasting is arguably like this, is arguably one of the more intimate forms of connection. In real life is incredible. And then you have your church, as I like to refer to it, where people can evangelize as, where it's your Slack channel, your Facebook group, your Discord, what have you. But I think they all work in tandem. I don't think like, I don't think there's an equal distribution in terms of efficacy. I think what happens is there's a disproportionate or an asymmetry in terms of the distribution of resources and effort, which then causes this perception. You so, feel free to push um, back. I, I no, just know no, no, that no. There, the, those three things resource. are at our core, at, yeah. at, at the core of our marketing. And yeah. I'll have a fourth one that I'll throw in too. And they all are super equally important. To be fair, we lean more into community in real life events, yeah. but without the support of the pre-priming with the content and without the, yeah. the value generation with no asks back because of the education, it made the community even more vibrant and the in real life events even more impactful. 
So I think one thing is like you called out that's really important for everyone to understand is a lot of these things are predicated on resource allocation. And so you're going to have different times where they ebb and flow, right? It's going to say, okay, we have more here. We can do this. What I would, I guess, caveat what you said is you said something really important right now. Content allowed us to go to these things and have them stand up together. So like in real life events without having built the community. So say content community, then like the events, essentially the events would have fallen on deaf ears, but because of these other things being stacked, you had the momentum to then allocate the resources to do these bigger things that had like a massive impact. And the thing that I think is really fascinating about like an event specifically, and you'll have more expertise in this. So let me not say that I understand this well is the way you measure the event. Yes, there are signups, but it almost goes back to the old days of measuring television where you're like, look, we're just kind of looking for like, what is the social impact of this thing and the multiple on that? And then how long that stays relevant. And then what that brings in from that as well, because there's the kind of people who are there, can we get them to convert? But also there's the FOMO that's created from, hey, there are this amount of people, people are talking about it for two, three weeks after. What's the, again, virality of those social posts that are going out? How many people come in directly from that? So I think it's a, like, it's a flywheel. It's a standard flywheel that we all talk about continuously, whether you're in DTC or, or SaaS. But I think that thing you talked about, resource allocation, it really is important. Why? That's why content is the easier thing to start with and you start stacking. I was just going to say like, absolutely 100% endorse everything you said. I would just say like, again, the, the biggest caveat here is, can you wrap a story in data that you can yeah. go to? So Sell. my boss at the time was Max and AJ, go to them and say, hey, this is why I need X amount of money for events. Yeah. This is what I think can happen. This is why I 100%. think it's important. And a lot of people aren't good at that. And a lot of people have great ideas. And so that's the big challenge. And the other challenge that I would say is you need to keep the thesis and the core of the idea intact. And as a company gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more people get in it, the idea that gets executed against wasn't the one that was the brilliant one. And Mm -hmm. so those are the two kind of like editor's notes I put on there is that um, they all work in tandem, but everybody starts on content because content is easy. Like, Oh, look, this yeah. drew of this many page views where in reality, maybe not buying that $5,000 a month trash SEO filling content. That's going to get you garbage traffic anyways. Yeah. Why don't you put together an event to generate value for people? So I guess the, the too long didn't read is everything at the core of all the marketing that I've ever done wasn't ever about business goals it was always about generating value for the consumer or the client yeah. and then with that then you use the economics of the business to align that to make sure that if this scales i'm happy about it like if yeah. this scales and i blow this up and i'm losing a dollar every transaction like that's not a good system it might be a great yeah. idea it might but there's not enough value in the yeah. vessel that you created to match up with your business economics. And maybe then you need to change your business or maybe you need yeah. to make smaller product to increase the yeah. purchase cycles or maybe your pricing is weird or whatever. But that's at the like meta level. That's kind yeah. of how I always start is like, how can I create value for this person? How can I make this yeah. person feel like they're awesome or smarter or better because I read this newsletter? And I think when you start losing that empathy, you can get into these 
very cold, calculated quant mm. mindsets that work till they don't. I've been there, man. I think there's like this weird ebb and flow you have where you sit and you look at your revenue and you're like, all right, what can I do to juice it? Like legitimately, you sit there and you're like, all right, I know I can do this thing. And it's a tactic and you feel snake oily. And again, maybe it's a wrong thing to admit that on a live, you know, live recording, but it's a real thing. And I think what you just said, which is everything that I've ever been successful at comes from like empathy, like you just said, but also like honesty, right? I just want to help you. I just want to help you. If there's an outcome that comes out of it. So like you do the same thing. We take a lot of calls with people that are not necessarily like business related. Sure. They always end up turning into business, right? Because they're like, oh, okay. I see what you do is useful. And it's not something you know, I never sell anything. I've had, I don't know how many calls, hundreds of them. We're just talking I'm like, Hey, how can I help you? Da, da, da. Yeah. And like, well, no, tell me about pencil. Yeah. Right. Or tell me about this other thing. I mean, we don't have to talk about, it. I was, I just, I was here for you. Like, no, no, tell me about it. And they either turn into business or they then send business over. And so I think this is something because we're in a world of like, you've got to do your gated content. You've got to do this, MQL, all, all of the kind of stuff that we talk about. That's all important. It's just, it's foundational, but it can't be the only thing you do. It really can't. I find it lazy. I yeah, yeah, it, it's super lazy. I find it, really this lazy. is what people did. Let's do it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's super dude, lazy. If, so this is one of the things that at Triple I was trying to do was really pivot us away from the framing of a subscription and moving yeah. it into a framing of a membership. Yeah. And that might sound like semantics, but what I'm trying to get at is when you have a subscription that is wholeheartedly based on transactions, the transaction relationship, I give you X amount of money in return for X amount of money, I expect Y thing. Yeah. Nothing wrong with subscriptions. Tons of businesses have incredible subscriptions. Yeah. My AT&T is a massive company. I pay them all the time and I hate them. Yeah. Totally yeah. transactional relationship. Membership is actually like an emotional, awesome bond yeah. that you can build with somebody that you don't yeah. want to get rid of. And so it's almost like dues instead of a subscription where it's, oh, I just yeah. got to pay my dues to my country club or whatever, yeah. because I want to be part of this membership. And not only do I get access to this first rate tool, but I'm also part of this community. I get to go to in real life events. I get different merch. I get priority yeah. for betas. Like all these things start to add up in terms of this value calculation. If a client likes you, they're going to give you way more runway and grace if they don't, even if that other person is way, way better. And that, that yeah. sounds horrible. And again, everything I do is rooted in value. I'm just telling you the facts. Like if somebody likes you, they're going to give you way more grace. They're going to make excuses for you to your boss, like, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Like they're just going to look out for you. And so, but another editor's note caveat, what you said, none of this can be done in bad faith. Like you either have yeah. to be sincere or don't do it. Go to the quant yeah. level again. If, if huh. you aren't great at building relationships sincerely, this isn't the path for you. Like yeah. live your truth, go be the quant that you need to keep pushing velocity through the funnel. But yeah. there's a, actually I want to throw it to you now. Cause I, I haven't, let me, or let me set it, set it up first, but there's this interesting dichotomy that I've been thinking about because as we transition, we went from generalists to specialists. Right. Yeah. And the idea I had was if you think of productivity as a function of two things, idea or yeah, we'll call it productivity or utility if you want to use economic terms, as a function of two things, ideas and execution. 
you get into this kind of Bjorn's donkey thing of like, if you go too far on the idea side of everybody at the place as an idea person, you have a whiteboard full of gold, but nothing ships. Yeah. If you go on the other end and you just have a bunch of killers that just ship, 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 but they have no strategy behind it and no yeah. really great ideas behind it, then you end up just shipping a bunch of crap. So I, yeah. I think a lot of it, especially if leaders out there are listening to this, I think that's the big balance in when you hire is keeping that idea to execution ratio intact. Yeah. Because as much as I wanted to, dude, as the job grew, like what kind of what we were talking offline of like, I really excelled as a uh, like SEAL Team 6 commander, like yeah. six to eight people and let me move mountains. Tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to do it. Let me run. Yeah. As you grow, 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 and you have a sales team you need to feed, you have all these things. And like My whole day was basically meetings, politics. Like It, it was yeah. crazy. It was my nightmare. And you don't get to be involved in the strategy as much as you wanted to be. Like You get to see the war plan, and you're putting the war plan together, but that's what the lieutenants are for. And yeah. so you get what I'm saying now. Anyways, yeah, yeah. idea, execution. I think as a leader, it's your it's your job to really make sure that that stays in balance because if not, and you also can get some, we didn't have this, but just talking through other people, when you miss this balance, you get um, just some frictions because you're either shipping not great stuff or you're not shipping anything. Yeah. Marty Kagan talks about this thing. Um, there's, a, there's a Lenny's podcast thing where he talks about um, never become a feature factory. Yeah. The idea Ooh. is to become like a, Ooh, like a value yes, factory. Yes. And so the idea that like I come back to all the time is if we're just shipping features, whatever the feature is, right? I talked about brand as a product. This if we're just putting product out there, just putting newsletters out there. And there's not kind of that North Star. And I don't mean just North Star, like, hey, we want to be great for customers. Like there's this internal momentum, right? Dude, I won't ship a newsletter if I don't feel like it's great. We haven't shipped one in a week, right? And it's because it's like, I'm not just shipping something to ship something. So I get someone to click so that they can sign up. It's not good enough. I'm not just sending it to send it. I've, by the way, I've done it. And every time I do it, I feel like it feels antithetical, right? Yep. To my core philosophy yeah. of, I just want it to be as fucking useful as it possibly can be. Yep. And I'll hold it back. And we've ebbed and flowed with that for sure, right? There's kind of like a couple axes I look at this on. Is it like, is it cool? Is it useful? If it's cool, it might not be useful. If it's useful, it almost always is cool. Yeah. Right. And you can layer on usefulness, but it's very hard if you don't have something useful to make the cool thing feel useful. And so the idea behind like feature factory versus value factory is one thing is a function of craft. The other one is a function of like brute force 100%. and the brute force thing. You need to do it every once in a while. Let's not sit here and like be monks and say, oh, you never, you have to do it every once in a while. But if it is the guiding principle, you're absolutely unequivocally fucked because you will not be helping your customers, your consumers. And that thing, that trust degrades over time. And just like we said, there's a multiple on trust in the positive. There is a multiple on distrust at an exponential rate. Way worse. You remember negatives way more than you do positive. Dude, it's like five X, right? You have a good experience. You tell one person, you have a bad experience. You tell 10 people, Every right? Single I've, done I've done it. I've done it. Right. I, I'm a card carrying member of that same of that same club. Right. What did I have? Teddy's my favorite language. Yeah. I got in a car crash, not a big one, but my car got messed up. 
Yeah. I told everyone that it was the yeah. worst insurance company I ever yeah. like. And it, it was a terrible experience. It took something that should have taken three weeks. I literally, not to go too much off a tangent, but I became the project manager of getting the car fixed. No one else did anything. And it took right. two and a half months and it would have taken four if I wasn't pushing. The idea is it's the same thing. That's a product and it's a service being sold to a customer. And I literally am going to cancel. The, the contract's up, we're out. We're going somewhere yeah. else. Right? And I'll pay more. I don't give a fuck because I don't want to have that. Oh, absolutely. And so I think the, like the lesson in all of it is you have to just, you have to deliver value. The thing you, you kind of, you were talking about was like the strategy versus that it comes back to like, can you get your team? And it always is leadership, right? Yep. Are they understanding? And this is a hard one. You were talking about, man, I think we should absolutely do an episode about how to communicate rap what you need to do in data speak. I would say, speak the language of the person that you're talking to. Don't speak your language, speak their language. The only metrics that matter are the ones the CEO cares about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Should be linked to pushing those metrics forward. Yeah. That be MRR usage, whatever, figure out what those metrics are. Those are the only ones that matter. And don't talk about anything else. And like, I always tell people, so again, you and I are, uh, I, I would say, loquacious individuals. If you're in a conversation yeah, with someone word. who is, dude, I got I got a nice, nice SAT score on verbal, not math. I had to learn that one. But if you know that someone is like very staccato with the way that they want to communicate, be staccato. Talk data, yeah. be staccato, but just know the little Pareto principle, 20% that you have to put your magic on it. That will convince them because they wouldn't have put you in that position if they didn't love the Raba magic or the chase magic or whoever you are. But don't go 80% you, go 80% them, 20% you. Because that's the way that you get the fucking sign off. Hey, go do your thing. And then they let you fly. But if you try to, like, and by the way, I did this very early in my career, right? Bang the table. I know, I know, I know. It's like, no, no, I don't know anything. You know, here is the thing that I came up with that is your idea. You tell me that it's right. Just going to say the fastest way to get anything approved is if you can pitch it enough in a way that you don't tell them the answer, they tell you, what Chase, that's actually really fucking brilliant. We should do that. You know, I'm thinking 50 K budget all in, I'll get X, Y, Z return on investment by Y payback period. What do you think? Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, and you go, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. And, And again, like, that was one of the things that I didn't realize as a company. And again, it's one of those things like the leopards, leopards ate my face. Like I, I knew this was a thing. It's just when you experience it, it's just different. Is that, yeah, a lot of your time as you, the company grows and you become, you know, part of this uh, bigger team and stuff, like a lot of the time is what I would classify because I'm that like creator mindset of like busy work of like just having to get stuff X, Y, and Again, they're like I'm an anti-meeting guy, and like there's no way around it. There's really no reason to have meetings without decision makers because it's yeah. all pointless. Because somebody eventually has to go to the decision maker with the case that they made and say, "Hey, yeah. yay or nay," kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's there's just a lot that goes into when you're leading a team for for a vertical that is wasn't on the brochure. <laughs> Yes. So I know we want to keep these, we want to keep these short. We're at, we're at 26. I think what I want us to go into the future talking about is a lot of these, like these topics we've kind of gone 
heavy on generalities. And I think like there's a lot of amazing stuff. I would say one thing you brought up, you wrote a really incredible, I didn't even know if it was a thread. It was one of the long tweets that like you have to click or read more. Can I, can I take a digression from that? Yeah, go, go, go. Because oh, this has been something I actually might write about it as well. I I was so anti-long tweet. I absolutely love them now. Can I tell you why? Tell me. It's like LinkedIn almost. It's so amazing because if you have this stream of consciousness, I no longer have to feel guilty for spamming people's feeds. And so I can have this like blog post. Actually, I'm about to post something called uh, The Tale of Three Rabbas, a shop app saga. Oh, actually, we should close on shop app because I I have this whole story. Um, But I think the threaded tweets rewarded disjointed communication. And sometimes that's fun where you just want all these morsels. But sometimes, dude, I don't want the popcorn. Give me the three-course meal where I can read a beginning, a middle, and an ending, and I don't have to shit on everybody's thread because it's just one tweet. The other thing that this usually happens anyways with the the bigger or the first tweet anyways, but all that algorithm juice aggregates that in one spot now versus if it's usually doesn't trickle down. Honestly, like I've seen massive threads like that by the third tweet, there's like six likes or something. Yeah, 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 nothing. I'm very bullish on it. Like it, yeah. it, it's really a much better user experience. Where to your yeah. point, like it turns into like a little little mini blog kind of thing. Where um, like kind of similar LinkedIn updates. The thing about LinkedIn though is, I feel like Twitter is more like the bar, and LinkedIn yeah. is more of like the office. And like you can yeah. kind of be more real at the bar, where the office just you just want to have a little bit more tidier communications. I don't oh, know. dude, I, That's, I do not, I do not communicate the same way on LinkedIn as I do on yeah, Twitter. Like yeah, I'll, I'll do one play. LinkedIn post a day, maybe. And then Twitter, it's like you know, eight, 10, 12 kind of things. Some days when you're just like, you know, I just thought about this thing. Like, I'm just gonna, like you would never, I wrote something. I don't know. I, I was writing about Amazon. Ad. Is anyone doing Amazon ads? Right. Yeah. I would never just randomly ask that question on LinkedIn because yeah. it's like people would yeah. be like, dude, this is LinkedIn. Like you don't ask yeah. me a question, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy, this guy definitely is an out of towner. He's from, yeah. he's definitely from New York. He's not from LA. Like he doesn't, no. get, it. No, he doesn't uh, get it. I literally am doing the same thing right now with a long one. I did a poll of like failed. Do you want to hear about failed experiments? Cause I got like a, a list of a thousand and I was writing it as a tweet. And I'm like, I hate how this feels as I'm writing it. And so I'm going to do just, I, I've already written it out as thing. It's going to be a long tweet because it's exactly it. what you said, right? I love it. It's more stream of consciousness. I don't have to think like, what it's makes like an, sense? It's like an this essay. The, yeah, this, an essay. This, is, this is like a whole story. Like this is a super yeah. long read that I'm about to post. Yeah. So I, I think so that's you really talk cool. About, you want to talk about shop app. The one thing I wanted to close on that I want to have a whole episode on is this idea yes. of momentum. Because yep. it's the thing that I talk about. I was just going to ask you about that. So yeah. let me interject. Uh, are you on yeah. a hard stop? No, no. What do you think the role of a CMO is? Or VP of marketing. We'll call it uh, the marketing leader to be yeah, more agnostic. Mar- yeah, marketing leader. I think literally it is to find the path of least resistance to the highest impact in the fastest amount of time, which in the short TLDR is just momentum. How do you yeah. find momentum for the business? That's why I retweeted it. Is because, so you liked it. Oh, absolutely. It's the yeah. literal... I always say it's like velocity, right? So um, Dylan Ander always, he talks about this thing called purchase intent velocity. It's the same thing, right? We're just trying to make the velocity with which people are able to make decisions, either about sharing our content, whatever the brand product, 
or the actual product is. And I'm not, I'm in the business. My idea is I'm always in the business of converting people and then getting them to convert other people for me. I don't want to be in this, like, I need to acquire. One might even call that an evangelist. Yes. One might call that. Absolutely. You need to build. You said this on a pod before I even knew you said this on a pod and I, it like stuck in my brain, which was you need to build a place for people to worship. And by the way, that could be anywhere, right? Like maybe it's your community. Maybe it's, you know, your newsletter, maybe it's the podcast, whatever, but there needs to be a place where people know that they can interact and have a community and, it's why D2C Twitter is powerful and D2C LinkedIn is not as powerful Correct. because this the Twitter is the church, right? It's yep. the place where everyone is able to go. It's it's communal. It feels it feels very tight knit. And so I think it's momentum is the very non chase way of communicating that because I want if it's one word I want to do it in six, uh, which is what I did. But it's just taking something building velocity and then making sure that that velocity is extrapolated by as many people as possible and then mechanizing that to get people to do it underneath you. Like that's really the entire job because this is what happens, man. When you're an IC, like you think about, all you think about is how do I complete this task? Well, I disagree. Can I give you a different? Go, go, go. Yeah. And I I think it actually trickles up all the way up except to the founder or CEO. Yeah. You're just doing, how do I make my boss happy? Yeah, That's all you care about. Unless you're the founder, all anybody cares about is, am I doing the things that it's going to make my boss happy? And this kind of goes back to kind of the leadership stuff. I do want to sneak in a David Ogilvy quote because I think there should oh. be at least a quota of one. I mean, he has a great line where he says, you can't convert people in an empty church. Um, yeah. so I just, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. You got really tactical and I, I would defer to you on the tactics. But for me at the macro level, you're absolutely right about, I think it's either about getting momentum or keeping momentum. And then again, that kind of going off that tweet, the secondary is capital allocation. Are you efficiently and effectively allocating capital to the things that are driving the momentum or getting the momentum to then keep the momentum? But I'll add another one for you because I love the velocity word. So you have velocity, right? So time through space, and then there's something called inertia. And like the more mass something has, the more inertia it has, it's harder to stop. And so I would argue the two inputs to inertia are brand and product. And so the better brand you have or the better product you have, when you start getting more and more velocity, you just go faster and faster and faster because you have this inertia that even if you took away the marketing, there's just this inertia that like Microsoft is just printing money riding off the 90s and just absolutely printing money. And like yeah. inertia, it's a real thing. So I actually think I need to write an essay about that because I, I really like that velocity, that velocity yeah. inertia idea. Because if you have a ton of velocity, but no inertia, what happens is the second you stop the propulsion mechanism oh. that's causing that velocity, yeah. what do you do? It just stops. Yeah. But if it you have brand or product yeah. or both, you have this inertia. So even though you might cut back on marketing spend or that propulsion mechanism is yeah. cut out from the system, you still have all this yeah. inertia that's going to keep that velocity. Yeah. It's a moss. It's the stone rolling downhill gathers moss or whatever that, that. fucking saying, that fucking saying is hundred, hundred percent. did not know you're in for a physics lesson, kids. I was oh, like, God, yeah, this is for two years. Let's we, go. We do. The one thing you said about capital allocation, and then I want to hear shop app and we'll, we'll close is love. This, I, I read this article from the uh, the, the CMO of uh, of City, and she said the the thing Citibank the thing yeah. uh, that 
all modern CMOs have to do is be a brand marketer, a growth marketer, and a, like a chief financial officer at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is like, you have to know what moves the needle as a brand. Then you have to know what tactics can help enhance that. And then you have yeah. to know what you said is what capital I can use efficiently to throw gas on that fire, essentially, and make a forest fire, right? And yep. it's like those three things. The thing that isn't taught is brand you can kind of learn in school, right? And like you kind of know that. And it's when you go into agencies, generally, a lot of times, again, early days too, when I worked in yep. agencies, uh, the big ones, you're focused on brand a lot. Growth, you have to kind of learn. And like there's this performance marketing, right? Yep. And everyone says performance marketing, growth marketing, the same thing. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, it's oh, not the same it. thing. And so performance marketing is inside of growth marketing, but growth marketing is not inside of performance marketing. And so to know growth marketing, there's like a bunch of different things that you should do. If you haven't learned that, read the MTK podcast or uh, newsletter, read Lenny's newsletter or go take yeah. a class at Reforge or read their content. Yeah. You literally, those masterclass, those three things, you don't need to do anything else. And then there's the capital portion of it, which no one knows how to do. I had to learn it on the fly. I'm not an economics major. I'm a fucking film major. And I had to teach myself everything. And I'm still not, like, let me not act like this is my zone of genius. Like I'm a very like B minus zone of excellence. I would even call it just zone of competence at this moment. But to be a killer, it needs to be zone of excellence plus, if not zone of genius kind yeah. of stuff to be like, you know, what she does. Like yeah. global Titan CMO, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think it's really important caveat you put in there that point b that is like the momentum thing is the thing you have to do but the thing that you but the thing that people want from you but the thing that people need is point b right which I is call, the capital application that's why i called it the value add like i think the yeah. value add of the cmo because you can get marketers that can generate yeah, momentum yeah, yeah. for you but the real value add of the cmo so i would say the responsibility is keeping or getting momentum but the real value add what the money's for is being the best capital allocator where you yeah. are you are making all the best bets you can and again yeah. that that's something that we should table for the next show but uh, moonshot marketing where i yeah. think that there's a lot of cmos that are playing it way too safe and especially when oh, you start to get yeah. into massive budgets like yeah. five or ten percent a lot in absolute money and that's yeah. almost you can almost see it as like a creative spend and then yeah. one more thing before we get to shop because i know i'm rambling but yeah i think and this could also be for another show I think people modularize marketing too much. Like I don't think it's actually like siloed like everybody talks about. I yeah. think there's this incredible interdependence more like an ecosystem. And I think that's something maybe we could touch on next time about how all yes. these interdependencies, like the, the craziest thing in nature, right? Like algae supports one of the biggest mammals, or I think actually the blue whale is the biggest mammal yeah. on the planet. Like the yeah. tiniest little organism supports yeah. this massive, massive things. So I, that that's more of my hot take on marketing where I don't think it's as modularized as people um, make it out to be. And I think the no. more you silo it off, the worse it gets. Oh, dude, I, my entire job has been trying to get brand marketers and grow and performance marketers to be friends like for years. You're on the, you're on on the same team and, and, yeah, and, and, a, great, thing, and a great brand and great organic lifts, makes your paid better, dude. more paid dude. adds velocity to Brand, brand exposure and so it's yep. just this like nice it's symbiotic cycle. ecosystem versus um, this doesn't deal into that and if you get growth right then it, it mechanizes it in a way where you bring your cac down so you have more money to spend on like there's this whole kind of 
interdependence. We got to go into the growth thing because everybody. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, this is we're finally catching our stride. I guess you would say. People, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the the growth stuff is really interesting to me because everybody always concentrates on inputs of growth, and this is probably from the D to C. But like growth can happen if you lower churn. Because again, at the end of the day, B2B SaaS people care about net dollar retention. Like obviously yep. you want to make sure you're bringing, but at the end of the day, like if I'm lowering churn, like my and MRR growth is going to. And exactly. expanding. Like dude, so it's exactly. it's lower churn, land expand. Um, Precise. And, and then get your viral coefficient per customer up. So like, well, I will challenge people to do one thing after this. Go say you have a thousand customers and you know what your AOV or whatever your MRR is per, like your ARPU per customer, ARPA per customer is. See if you can get 0.3 new customers based on what that ARPA is per account, per account you bring in. So say you bring a thousand and you get 300. That cuts your CAC in a third. What could you do to reinvest that money to get another thousand that, you know, like you, yep. you do that over the course of a 12 month run rate. Look at what your cohorts look like. And then, you're doing that plus you're getting churned down. Like the smile curve, the smile curve is a real thing. Yeah. The inverse is also real too. You could do it's this, go down and like you could fucking uh, crash. The leaky bucket, I believe they refer Absolutely, to leaky bucket, yeah. leaky bucket. So what I think we just did on this episode is essentially pick the topic for the next 15 episodes. Anyone who listened to this, excuse Rob and I rambling. I, I joked with someone, I told them we were recording today. I said the two people who we interview so that we don't talk. Then yeah. we got together and said, let's just talk. And so I'm really excited to do this. What I want to do is do the shop thing and then yeah, we'll yeah. close off. Tell me, what, tell me about shop. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll make it quick because I, I know we're probably pushing over time. But so have you used a shop app? You use a shop yeah. app? So I, that's how I track everything because it's, it's easy. It pulls everything into me. And I wrote like a little parody about how I have like three Rabas inside me. So I have yeah. the rational Raba, the buy it now Raba. And the can't resist a good deal, even if I don't need the thing, Raba. <laughs> and so there is just this funny interplay of the impetus of the idea was because I opened the shop app, not going to spend money, just go check on the stock X order because buy it now, Raba fucking bought sneakers last week. All right, yeah. I want to see whether sneakers are winning again. Okay, cool. So check on the stock X order, almost make it out. And then I see there's this like beautiful little oval with the green and then the bright white writing with your shop cash balance. Like, oh shit, I got 65 bucks. And then instantly buy it now, Raba takes over. I'm <laughs> fucked. Last time buy it now, Raba, and he's browsing. And then the next thing happens, there is uh, shop cash offers. So they'll give oh. you a multiplier on your shop cash. So now can't resist a good deal, Raba is in the car and they're driving, going like crazy. Last time I they were together, I bought that stupid fucking rock. <laughs> <laughs> in my house which was insanely expensive i still can't believe i wasted that much money on a two pound 200 pound rock anyways and then it's, it's just kind of this joke about that but the too long didn't read is i think the shop app is really interesting in the way they're intertwining things i think there's going to come a day where like people are buying shop app gift cards and i think that yeah there's a real value to figuring out how you can get placed on there because i actually ended up buying like a lighter what's actually like a little lighter sleeve but zero percent need it ended up discovering this really cool brand I only paid like 20 bucks i think for it or something like that um, after my shop cash and stuff was taken out but it was just such an interesting way of luring somebody in that wasn't going to shop and ended up leaving and spending money at a merchant that i never would have found like what a perfect play for shopify like kudos yeah. on them like anyways so that's what the whole product. the whole story no, is it's about. A beautiful, but i think it's beautiful like 
story of product and meeting the customer where they are and then getting them to kind of not like even Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, I, right? I would push back on that. They're not even meeting you where they are. They are actually building the candy aisle. And then they're actually saying, hey, don't look at the candy. We'll yeah. track all of the orders from Amazon, StockX, wherever it's at. It'll be in shop app. And then I'm going there with no purchase intent, mind you. No purchase yeah. intent. And then they get me to buy something. Like that's magical. That that's magical the way they're doing that. Not only did it get me to buy something, but again, like they exposed me to a really cool brand I a probably would have never heard of and never or of. definitely would have never bought from. Like that is creating value for your customer. That's a, anyways. I think it's just a they can do some really crazy stuff on that. Okay, I know you said we could close on this, but since we're on Shopify, I want one more yeah, hot take from you. Yeah. What do you think? Have you what are your thoughts on the Shopify collabs? Like being able to essentially collaborate with people I, I guess i should tell people what they are so you can essentially now after somebody purchases i'm not exactly sure i think you have to opt in and then you can choose different brands that could then showcase there's those brands products non-competitive obviously but like you know yeah. uh, on that what do you think about that so i'll pull it back to kind of the beehive recommendations thing i think it's yep. an incredible opportunity to First of all, like help people get exposure, but also so like I'm a huge believer in osmosis yep. and like the kind of the, the velocity and momentum that it can drive for a brand. So there's two things, right? You can say, hey, look, we don't want to be a general store, but we can also offer a few things that complement our product yes. and or go and talk to people and get them to do it. And so we say like, hey, look, if we can go look at, you know, SEM Rush and say, we know they're getting this amount of traffic. We know that they're converting, like, even if we just model out against work, you know, we're, they're converting at this rate. We know that they have this amount of customers. If we convert for free, this amount of customers from that cohort on a monthly basis, it means this in revenue, right? So I think it's a brilliant play. I have seen just even on the Beehive recommendation, the amount of volume that we have gotten in our newsletter that I have not had to acquire that has just been through friends being like, Hey, I'm going to recommend you. All right. I mean, sure. I'll recommend you too. And like, the, all the stuff is good, right? It's all people who are good yeah. and talented. And then people will randomly recommend you that you have never spoken to because they read your newsletter and they think that That's it gangster. makes sense for theirs. And so I think it's absolutely a really important play for merchants because in this, this D2C world, channel, business model, whatever you want to call it, you want to stick to a very singular vision of your business, but you also want to give extra value and expose That's your customers to other things. And so I think it's an incredible, I think it's an incredible play. And I think what Shopify has been doing with audiences, collabs, shop app is essentially now they have this network and they're building the internal network effects of having the stores that they have. It's the thing they should have, like, it's the thing you build towards when you have kind of, it's like when you have all the data, like uh, Facebook ads are the best and will always be the best because it's an intent, it's a behavior driven yep. platform when they have all the behavior data, yep. right? This is the similar kind of thing. They have all the purchase data at point of sale so they can then recommend, hey, you should partner with this brand. It makes a lot of sense, right? Like, oh my fucking God, right? Not what does that do? Couldn't agree with you more, man. I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. And I, I think again, with the shop app stuff, I think it's such a Trojan horse play, like hats yeah. off to them where instead yeah. of going to the Amazon app to check where my order is, instead of yeah. going to the stock X app to choose where my order is, 
they decided to build such a superior user experience that I prefer to go to that. Yeah. And because of that, they're essentially getting a tax on me where they're getting me through the checkout aisle where I'm exit. Yeah. Or I wouldn't even say the checkout aisle. A better analogy, I think, would be uh, exit through the gift shop, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like exactly. I, I checked, I walked in, I checked my orders, I got yeah. all the information, and now I'm leaving the museum through the it's, gift shop. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a TJ Maxx, right? You go to the front of TJ Maxx, they have all the candy and fucking shit, and then you leave with like a bread maker. You're like, I wasn't going to buy a bread maker. Can't right? resist a good deal, Rava. Yeah, can't resist Came a, over can't there. Resist he, can't, he can't go in those places, dude. I think I the other big one, right, is they've built this like the source of truth for all your orders, et cetera, shopping, blah, blah, blah. We all forget, like, if we're just going pure business model, they get a percentage on every... So getting That's people to That's where they make most of their money. This is Transaction fees is... Uh, the exactly. So the transaction fees... stellar experience. Yeah. So I think it's, I think if anyone's talking about this and we're talking about product is like providing your customers value while knowing how that works within your network of what you can provide is like, and not doing things in a vacuum, right? Like always think of how it interplays because this is the, like the feature factory value factory thing. They went pure value on that, right? Feature factory says like, oh, let's build this thing. And like, it'll just exist in the ether versus like, no, all of this is its own kind of web of things that work together. And it doesn't feel like that when you're the user. But when you sit and deconstruct it to understand product, marketing, monetization, kind of how they all work together, you're like, fuck, this is brilliant. If, like, they, if brilliant. they quit fucking around, dude, because they bought that, ma- I think it's called Deliver or whatever, the massive fulfillment yeah. network, that's the last, yeah. that's really the last leg of the stool yeah. to fall or the last yeah. kind of stronghold. If they could figure yeah. that out, dude. They are Same. straight up Amazon competitors yeah. where I can I can literally plug into your fulfillment network and get yeah. better rates, get all these things. Like it gets game over pretty quick. I think it's, it's yeah. it'll be interesting to see where it shakes very, out. But with that exciting. being said, software and logistics are two wildly, wildly different businesses. And so well, oh, I'm sure, I mean that's I'm sure that's what the headwinds they're hitting now is because that yeah. was their biggest acquisition to date, and I haven't heard anything for anything. a while about it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what we've dealt with, right? It's like, you think you're going to buy a thing and it's going to help you, but it's like, oh, we've never done this before. And the people who have worked with us have never done this before communicated the way we want to communicate. And it's just, that's why I don't want to, I don't want to say this because I don't want them to flame me on Twitter, but that's why I'm so bearish on open store where it's like, dude, the synergies that you think exist do not exist. Like every D2C brand is so nuanced. It's so, oh, and by the way, margins usually suck like it's <laughs> there's just like all yeah. these things that you're like where does the growth well, well, or efficiency yeah like what is the efficiency where does it happen well, what is, what's his name david Sachs always says Sachs. it. he's like yeah sax says it. he's like dude we did we used to do that now we we don't because it like the efficiencies don't actually they don't exist they don't it, the, the synergies yeah. is what the, the business kids yeah. would say um they yeah. don't exist speaking of david Sachs, here's a little recommendation for the week if you guys haven't read it, you're in B2B SaaS. You have an ability to affect change on your organization. There's a phenomenal read called The Cadence, and it breaks down um, really how the top tier SaaS companies, B2B SaaS companies work. Um, I really, really recommend the read. It's sensational. It talks about the linkages between sales and marketing, um, yeah. how to move to a quarterly cadence, what that yeah. quarterly cadence looks like for all these functions, when to have the board meeting. It's a, a pinnacle read. Well, guys, we got through our first one. Did and it? I thought we maybe two, three minutes of value in the fifty. I would you think 
30 seconds maybe add a yeah. start yeah. with value of your customer first yeah. and then back that into yeah. business objectives that yeah. can then be there. moved into tactics and strategies for if you 52 minutes you'll, you'll you, that's all you need at the to end. yeah yeah absolutely yeah, we got to keep them coming back well dude this was super fun i'm so excited to keep diving into all of these topics and, and, uh, and give give we more value it. and anyone who's listening to this if you have questions or topics just hit us on the bird yeah at yeah. robert ray hill you have a weird one what's yours i'm chase moseni oh you are but you have like underscore yeah. something no no, 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 oh no. I, don't, I used to be like CR Moseni and then Sam. That's right. Yeah. When did you change? Yeah. Uh, I did like four or five months ago because Sam was like, bro, who okay. the hell is going to find worst. you? Twitter search is serious. If you don't put it character for character, capital, it's the yeah. worst search yeah, function I've ever heard. I've spent well, we like 30 Elon's minutes trying to tag this. people. We know Elon's listening to this. So, dude, fix search. Yeah, we all want to connect. You don't have any rockets you need to shoot. Yeah. This is great, man. I can't wait until the next one. What are the action items? We need a cool sign off, too. We made yeah. chat GPT. You yeah. named the show to be fair. I, I should, your back's probably hurting. You're carrying all the weight. I should probably uh, start pulling mine and maybe I'll figure out fun sign off for us. So what I think we should do is I can like intro and then you exit. Oh, right. Okay. Amazing. That's actually, yeah. that's not horrible. Okay. Folks make sure, where can they find us? Is this, this will be on all the podcast. Episodes. Yeah, we'll do all. Do we have a network. URL yet? We don't have a URL. Yet. We don't have the Web, URL. We'll, website we'll, incoming growth yeah. vault, something. We'll find some cool TLD. Yeah. And maybe if you guys are interested, maybe we start a little community around this. That could be fun. Yeah. A little, little, private, little private little hullabaloo partying in there. But that's all we got, folks. We're going to try and make these on a weekly cadence, I think. Is that the plan? Yeah, exactly. weekly cadence. So you can come grow with the Growth Vault, Chase and Raba. And then nothing else to plug. Oh, oh, maybe some shameless plugs. Fantastic. The pencil. How do people subscribe? Yeah, yeah. Come hang out. Make AI ads. Everyone else who makes them is atrocious and built on the back of us. So come make AI heads with, uh, with pencil and, uh, we'll help you test more. And, uh, and, and how do you get on the newsy? Yeah. Oh, how do we get on, uh, the pencil newsy? It's pencilai.beehive.com. So we'll, we'll link Maybe. that out as well. But what about you? If he trip? sends it out. Yeah. He if I, if I send it out, cause there's enough value. Guy. See guys, I do it for the people. I do he's, it for the people. He's look at this guy learns quick. Start with value for the consumer in mind. Yeah, man. Always. This is this is school for me. What about you, brother? On the Twitter is obviously at Rob Rayhill, um, and then Triple Whale has a fantastic newsletter as well. Triplewhale.com/slash/whalemail yeah. goes out every Tuesday, Thursday. Um, yes. Go get all the all the deets there. All right, guys. This was super fun, and uh, we'll we'll see you next week. That's it. Goodbye, Tomas.